0: Back okay going live three two one we are live doc we are live
1: good afternoon guys
0: good
1: afternoon. and guests everybody
0: everyone i'm sure it'll Mm -hmm. take a minute for people to uh to log in and and join the uh podcast but we are back with another episode of the coach cast we're going a little bit different direction this is episode 23 um we are discussing a little bit more on the hunting front bow hunting season has officially started gentlemen here in uh, Pennsylvania started this past Saturday in a couple of wait, uh, wildlife management units and I guess in the first weekend of October it starts for the rest of us uh, individuals so we're, we're talking ethical hunting practices doc I know this one is one that we've has been on the, the discussion board who just haven't had a chance to really put it to fruition so you want to you want to open us up with sort of the direction to go with this conversation
2: well what got this started a few weeks ago is when uh, we did what our last shoot for the uh 3d season for our archery club that i belong to in pennsylvania um You you could you could sort of feel the shift in people as they were coming in and talking and signing up to shoot and so forth uh, that their their attention was moving from target shooting to in 3D competing uh, to hunting and uh, this caused me to think that we should maybe direct our attention to a couple for a couple programs here. Uh, in that area and so a few weeks ago we got started off it would be before our Labor Day holiday here in in the U.S. and uh, we talked uh, about uh, basically the the, the, the shift in practice Uh, what should you be doing different uh, you know using the bow you intend to hunt with or bows sometimes and uh, how should you maybe practice a little different and I'd like us to Discover a few of those points, and then, as we, after we do that, uh, to begin to look toward the what many people call, and I certainly call, ethical hunting. And uh, having been raised as a farm kid myself, uh, we certainly uh, slaughtered our animals and uh, and, uh, and butchered and so forth. So we generally kill them to do that because you can have a real wrestling match on your hand if you don't do that first when you're trying to eat them. and uh, But we were very ethical about how we, even on the farm, how we put down our animals uh, because uh, you know, that's just the way, the way to be on the planet, so we felt. Uh, and uh, so we're, we want to talk a little bit about that, how, how to get the right shot and so forth, and then uh, possibly finish with safety in the woods uh, know where you are, know where you're hunting, uh, friends are, if you're hunting with other people. Uh, have equipment with you to get you in and out of the woods. Uh, if you were there last, uh, maybe January, uh, in the same spot, it looks very different now than it did then. It's still in, in the, here in the Northeast, still in full fo- foliage. And it's just a a different place. And you really need to know your way around, but even the best persons can get themselves confused and and get lost. And uh, I know the situation a few years ago near a hunting camp that I was involved in where not from our camp, but from another, uh, two people got lost in the woods and they never did find them. Uh, Someday somebody will find bits and pieces, I suspect. Uh, so uh, that's part of safe hunting and then checking out your standing equipment is, is the blind or is it just a, a, a rock that you hide behind or something like that or a tree stand make sure things are safe and, and, and ready for your hunt before you go out with a, uh, a loaded gun or a knocked arrow uh, so this is what the program's about today if, if you will, Larry, I'd like to just mention a, a few things about them. You gave many good points about changing your practice methodology as you prepare to hunt and, and doing it differently than you would preparing or staying uh, stealthy for uh, target shooting or 3D.
1: Well, of course, target shooting practice takes a lot of shots at uh, you know, a lot of distances, uh, and some of them quite long, up uh, to 80 yards for field archery, um, 70 meters or 77 yards if you're shooting target archery. Uh, but uh, the bow hunting here in Pennsylvania is, is different. So your are shooting uh, your shot selection, when we get to that topic, should be under 35 yards, really under 30 yards. Um, That's the the nature of our weapon, it's still a primitive weapon, so you've got to limit your distance, and uh, I I base that on on my own skill level, you know, I have fairly high skill level shooting yet, uh, but it's 30 yards and under, I think I've killed one deer over 30 yards, Um, and I just discipline myself to stay under 30, so my practice reflects that. I practice out to, I think my long pin is set at 44 yards, that's three pins, 22 yards, 33 yards, and 44 yards. Uh, And the one I'm looking to use is the 22 yard pin. And I set it at 22 so that uh, I can aim at the middle of the paper plate and hit the paper plate anywhere from five yards back to 30 yards. The one, one pin aiming at the middle will stay on a paper plate. Uh, so that covers me then in misjudging yardage. So If, if I limit myself to under 30, I'm gonna get a good hit. I don't have to get real cute about guessing the yardage. This, is it under 30? Yeah, put the pin in the middle of the rib cage and shoot. So, my practice is like that. So, uh, and now I'm practicing with broadheads and I'm sighting in with broadheads because they will shoot different than field points. Uh, even, even the mechanical heads, the blades that open uh, are balanced different and fly different than uh, a field point. So you've got to sight in with those broad heads. So, uh, and I, I use the uh, fixed blade heads, replaceable fixed blades, and that gives me my best success killing deer. So my practice centers around that. So that's you know what I. That's a brief outline of what you need to practice and then finish with single shot practice so a good test for yourself is go to 25 yards put up the paper plate and shoot your broadhead one shot and you need to be hitting that single shot cold without a warm-up because that reproduces the conditions you'll have when you're out in your hunting blind or or the tree stand, yeah, you, know, you get it one shot. It's cold, no warm up, and are you able to hit it? So
0: if if you aren't, then you or your bow or bows need a little work. I switched bows a few weeks ago, Larry, but I had because I work from home during the day. I've started yeah. doing that every morning, and then throughout the day, I've been doing it, and. Yeah um i mean it's it's just it's sometimes my first shot is my best shot (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know i accept my traditional bow so for those of you who who are watching this i hunt um with a with a traditional bow 640 grain arrow my point on distance so i set it up so because i'm an aimer i'm not shooting instinctive Um, I gap shoot uh, off distances, but my point on. So the point of my arrow is in the middle of the body is 25 yards. So from roughly 15 to 33 yards, the point of my arrow in relationship to the body is going to put me where I need to be. I have, if, unless I misjudge the distance and I aim too high, judging by light tails and how often they duck, a probably pretty solid opportunity that no matter what happens, that's mm-hmm. going to be a successful shot. Um, especially 25 yards and in 30 yards and in. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I probably won't shoot much more than 30 yards. Cause like for me, a 30 yard traditional yeah. shot is like a, is probably mm-hmm. for, for me like a 50 or 60 yard compound shot, you know, yeah. Perfect condition. And,
1: uh, the speed of sound is against you mm-hmm. when you get over thirty yards. Yep. At forty yards, uh, it takes sound only uh, about a second to get there. It's, it's you know it's traveling at eleven 1, hundred twenty six feet a second. Sound is right, and <laughs> so, but it takes your arrow maybe. Well, it takes takes the, the, the sound about a tenth of a second, it takes hmm. the arrow four to five tenths of a second to get 40 yards. Right. Well, the deer has time to react. And like, like you said, their reaction is drop. Yeah. They drop low to load their legs, they're loading their leg muscles, and then they spring away. Yeah. So you're out on the time thing.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially shooting a, a traditional bow at like 45 pounds on my fingers with a 600 plus green arrow. It's not moving quick, but it is super quiet. It's much more quiet mm-hmm. than any other bow I've ever shot. It's a, a black widow ironwood. Um, it's just so quiet, so smooth, but it's a wood bow and I, you know, it's definitely not as accurate as, as my bare bow ILF rig, but you know it's that's part of the challenge right so my my effective distance with my ilf hunting bow was probably 40 44 you know easily easily keep all the arrows within a pie plate without Mm -hmm. a doubt um that that was just incredibly accurate um but shooting shooting with a, a wood bow and 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 stuff it's definitely um You have to set yourself up for success. So it's the same as your gaps for your pins with um, setting up your pins for 22 to 33 or 35 or 44 for a long pin, whatever your gap is that puts you on the body, put the pin on the body and puts you in the area, you have a better chance of having a a, a good shot on on a poorly judged animal you know, with the proper gap. So. But yeah, I've been doing that every day, every day. This morning, I killed both both deer targets that were in my yard, so.
1: yeah, I'm nice. When's the butchering start? Yeah, well, <laughs> tonight. it's going to take really, really bland. <laughs> A little bit like phone. There any blood trail on that? Yeah, no blood trail. <laughs> yeah. oh, I I missed practice this week, this past week. Too much activity with the twins. Oh. And our daughter-in-law needed needed help. <laughs> oh. So we were on, on duty a lot. And so that complicated the rest of my day. Mm. You know, we had spent evenings helping with the, the twins. So, and, and some other meetings and things. Yeah, so I've, I've got to get on my practice regimen today.
2: Uh, which I will be doing. Yeah. All right. Um, well, one thing I'd yeah. like to put in here that that I I knew about but rediscovered uh, the other day. Uh, I had been out uh, shooting, and I I, I trained, uh, for hunting with 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 both bows, They're both meaning. Uh, I have a raft of traditional bows I use, but I shoot those all about the same. So I was training with that bow that I've chosen for this year and also my compound. And, uh, so I shot a a number of shots, had the time to do it and so forth, but this is also the season. And this is something to keep in mind because there's, there's always sort of contingencies that often we can forget. So this, uh, this program is a great way to remind ourselves of these. Uh, for me, uh, fall is always one of my happiest seasons because that was a very happy time for, for farmers years ago and bringing in the crops and getting ready to hunt and other things to do in the fall and, uh, and, the, and the beauty of the fall season and so forth. But for some of us who were, have been blessed with reactivity to pollen, uh it it's, 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 it's a fun time, but it's also time as you can hear if you 've heard me before on this i 'm all plugged up today with the uh, pollen we have a farm show quality crop of ryeweed in the area this year because uh, we've had a fair amount of rain uh, and uh, that 's probably one of the worst things that bothers me is i I, I typically take a, an antihistamine daily uh, as part of my regimen of trying to control. My allergies—you would never know. You would think I was born in a barn rather than a farm, but never developed a lot of uh, resistance to this stuff. But I've been on uh, in treatment with a, a very good uh, doctor who really knows his way around these things. So I, but in when the season for the pollen comes, then I, I I double the dose of the antihistamine instead of just taking one in the evening, take one in the evening, one in the morning. Well, that also doubles uh, the amount of dehydration Uh, and you need to increase your water intake at least by a third while you're doing that or it's gonna affect your joints and your muscles. And I hadn't thought of that. And the other day when I got up after shooting a number of shots having been out with friends and we were practicing, I the next morning I got up, I felt like I'd been in a fight. Uh, I mean, every muscle in my body hurt. Uh, so it's just something to keep in mind if you do have reactivity with allergies, you're on end histamines. That, uh, uh, you, you need to, as it's draining off the fluids in your body to keep you from uh, having an allergic reaction to whatever... Uh, you need to increase your intake of water. I would say at least by a third. And some people that drink a fair amount of water, you might as well just put a garden hose in your mouth and walk around, I guess. But uh, mm-hmm. I know our friend Frank here puts a lot of water down every day, which is a very healthy thing to do. Um, and uh, so I think the other thing we ought to talk about is uh, if you have uh Permanent uh, hunting equipment in the areas where you hunt, uh, a st- stand or stands. Some, some people have mm-hmm. numerous locations where they keep it and they're in a situation that they own the land or where they can keep a stand up. Uh, make sure you get out and check these things before you're going to hunt, even if it's during the hunting season. Go out at a non-hunting time and make sure that, that, that things are, are, are safe. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I know Larry does that on a regular basis on his own property where he has a number of different stands and it could avoid a, a, a major a major uh, accident. It could be a, a very permanent accident.
0: I just pulled one think? this weekend. Uh, I had a, a hang-on stand uh, just just to check all mm-hmm. the stats, pulled everything, pulled the stats Um and mm-hmm. I'm glad I did because it's that the 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 uh, vinyl strap or the the uh, yeah what's that called? It's not vinyl. Um, oh my gosh, the webbing, the Dylons. Dylons. The nylon, the nylon, the nylon web strap. One of the steps was eaten through, lower to the ground. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, while it was at least a lower one, imagine if, you know, that was the strap on my tree yeah. or something and I go to stand on that thing yeah. and boom, you know, I now I always- Take an wear, elevator.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: I always wear a harness, which every bow hunter should absolutely probably, positively do, uh-huh. unless you wear a um, a saddle, which uh-huh. I started hunting with a saddle last year and I will probably hunt with my saddle more this year than I will hunt out of a tree stand because it's, if you have the physical capability of, of wearing one and hanging in a tree for, especially cause I hunt a lot of public land when I hunt by myself, it's the way to go. It's just so yeah. quiet, and, but either way, you know, make sure you're strapped in. And that's why like doc was saying about, um, checking those stands, those permanent fixtures, or even like wooden built stands, make sure that you are at least getting eyes on them before the first day of the season. Don't wait until the season's there and you're walking up for the first time. Well,
1: Doc made a a, a good point. A while ago, I guess we were talking before this started, before we went live, about all the rain we've had here in Pennsylvania this year. Yeah, Tremendous amount of rain. Well, that pushes tree growth. So, you know, when you uh, cut a tree and count the rings, you'll notice that they aren't all spaced the same. So we're making a wider ring this year. So the trees are growing a lot. Uh, And so that means the circumference is changing, bulging out. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, that can put a strap under high, high stress Mm -hmm. and your extra little weight could cause it to break just when you don't want, then you're on an elevator again. And and, uh, so, yeah, I've got to get out uh, and check. I I checked one stand. No, I guess I just checked the trail into it last week when I was cutting brush. Uh, But I've got to get To all the stands now this week and check straps. Um, We totally, uh, totally rebuilt my two best ones two years ago. Uh, But still, I got to check the straps, you know, even though we put new straps and things on those and painted them. And I'm doing ladder stands. Um, Yeah, I'm not in, I, I used to do a climber yeah Uh, i've done a lot of stick ladders with hang-ons but um i doc and i need to be on ladder stands (laughs) just the way it is yeah with a uh lifeline
0: lifeline that runs from above your head standing in the stand Uh, all the way to the ground right Uh, and those have to be pulled those have to be pulled every year as the they should be anyways because the mice well, mm-hmm. destroy those yeah. nylon safety ropes. Oh, and my son bought one.
1: Uh, I think we have a couple of them that have that uh, reflective thread in them. Mm-hmm. And boy, going into that distance, not not easy. It's not hard to miss that stand. <laughs> I mean, it's not hard to see the stand. It's that that uh, rope really
0: stands out. Oh yeah. Yeah, under red light too. Like you can wear the red light which is non-disruptive to the animals. Mm-hmm. And that thing, that that rope will just—it's literally gl- glows. Oh, in yeah. it's incredible.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: First but, time I uh, saw one of those ropes
1: was in Kansas, and I was going in to the stand we put up the day before. I didn't know it had this uh, thread in it. Oh yeah, man! From 150 yards away, I'm shining the light, and I what the heck is you know, that? Man, this looks like a neon sign in there.
0: Oh, that's funny.
1: I thought, wow, what the heck is that? <laughs>
0: that's funny. Really didn't know what it was at first. Yeah, I, I could see it. I'd really freak you out a little bit walking, <laughs> <laughs> how old you are, how many people you're Look, with. Oh, you yeah, that's somebody important. was in there. It's with, uh, still weird. Neon lights. But, yeah,
1: got, got to check them out. Uh, so that, that's on my list this week. Checked game cameras yesterday. Uh, got both hunting bows ready, shooting. Uh, and so now it's just a matter of checking stands. And then there's going to be some brush to cut, too. So uh, not a lot, but there's going to be some. Yeah. Mm-hmm now i have to get get a golf cart i think so doc can take the uh electric golf cart up to the top of the hill to get the stand that he used
2: my goodness i, I, I <laughs> i'll will look forward to that does it have clubs in it too if i hit a slow time i can good <laughs> down and drive a few balls into the woods <laughs> yeah <clears throat> uh, Another important point I I want to uh, make is uh, 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 you really know your location. Uh, Others know where you are. uh, If for some reason you don't show up, uh, at least uh, somebody knows uh, other than people hunting with you where you are and where you intend to be. Uh, in case something should happen, so you you can be found, or uh, if you get disoriented, uh, you could uh, maybe make a call and, and, and people uh, could could help uh, find you. And uh, and the, you know these these things happen. Uh, our friend Frank here had an experience a couple of weekends ago. I don't think people were hunting, but they were just out uh, walking in a state forest. And, yeah. apparently became disoriented Did, were they new to the area or they knew where they were
0: so they were college students um one was from the area but not an outdoors oriented person um the other one was from out of the area they started on, clear on the other side of the mountain and made it then and, and got up to the top of the mountain got turned around was disoriented it was close to dark so the, the male of the group told the, the girl, girl, I won't call it girlfriend, the girl and the dog stayed put, called 911. The acquaintance, the male acquaintance, went um, to go get the car, but he went the wrong way and went down the wrong side of the mountain. So mm-hmm. the car was clear over the entire side of the mountain on the other side eventually making it back toward that direction um, but in a roundabout way and uh, we were called out we were out to like one two o'clock in the morning looking for this individual and it happened to be on hunting ground that I'm familiar with and I've walked through and just to piggyback off of that you know when you are going out like I hunt by myself when I hunt public land usually the spots that I have reserved for my wife and my son are spots that are easy to get to um, probably a little bit more ample on the deer sightings and I reserve those spots the better spots for them when I hunt by myself I hunt public land most of the time and I hunt with um, a tree saddle or or from the ground typically now I used to hunt would carry a hang on if I was hunting a, an area all year long but so when I go out similar to when we went out for this rescue call um, I use Onyx maps on my phone to track my location, um, especially in like in foreign territory, like if I'm in an area that I'm not familiar with. Um and I also like if I'm hunting by myself and I know I'm gonna be a mile, two miles back and state game lands, I share my location with my wife on my phone, just in case, because you just never know. Like she doesn't hear anything back. I'm not back by 10 o'clock at night, eleven o'clock at night, you know. There she she has the ability to say well here this shows his last location you know it's just it's a small thing to do um but it's just it's just a safety thing mm-hmm. you know i'm up there's rattlesnakes all over the place there's you know you never know what you're going to run into on public lands um i do carry with me i always carry a, a, a um a nine millimeter so like i don't just in case like i said you just there's some crazy stuff that happens in public land and and when i was saying the doc and you guys earlier on that rescue call me and another uh, another guy from the fire department took a utv back this trail that i'm familiar with because it's my hunting ground and you know and i said we're both walking back this trail um going to the last pin location of the kid that was lost and i said to him i was like you know I don't care how old you get or how many people you're with walking in the middle of the woods, hundreds and hundreds of yards away from the closest road or house in the middle of the dark is still weird. I don't care who you are. It's still weird. Um, but, and, and they got turned around. They were, you know, they left, they started their hike at 4:30 PM. Now think about that. It's middle of September, 4:30 PM hike. You need to have some kind of sense about you when you are going out on hunt, especially like how far are you going to go? How long did it take you to get there? And you can look at hunt stand, Onyx maps, (laughs) download multiple apps to tell you when it's going to get dark. So you have the time to get back. I mean, there's it's different when you walk out the back of your yard, you go out into the hedgerow of the field and you're just like, climbing up in a stand and you're right there. I, I, I get it. You know, maybe you don't have to be quite as cautious about it, but if you are putting in time or going, you know, a couple hundred yards away from the house or whatever, you know, a lot can happen in that short space. It's like car accidents. Car accidents happen within a couple of miles of your house because you get complacent because you know the roads and you know the traffic patterns and it just takes one, one mistake for things to go bad. Well, um, overconfidence, so- Yep. And hunting's the same way. It's the exact same way. So but yeah, that's that's what happened with us. And and that's a situation that we, we probably my fire department, we're a fire, we're fire rescue. So um, we get called for I would say a dozen search and rescues throughout the year because we're near Hawk Mountain Sanctuary and it's a huge huge swath of land that's that's frequented by the appalachian trail and hikers in general and uh and hunters and you know it's just a something we see all the time are people like you know broken ankles broken femurs um fall <laughs> in and hit their head when unconscious um, tree stands um you uh utv and atv accidents hunters going to and from their stand on atvs without a helmet i mean everything we've been we've been dispatched for everything and you know i've i've hunted um i I don't hunt with a climber anymore because i almost fell out of a tree with one the 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 uh the bottom section just about fell to the bottom and i just finally said no i'm good i don't need i don't need that unknowingness if that thing's going to stick to the tree or not i'll i'd rather hunt with ladders with a with a, cl- a lineman's rope and a and climb up a ladder or you know and or even sit in my saddle because i'm attached to the tree but so that's my story and i'm sticking to it <laughs> yeah not hard to get
1: to get turned around i did this i in kansas uh, put up a stand one afternoon, hunted it, came out of the dark. Next morning, I went back in in the dark, got turned a- around just a little off, came out on the trail, the uh, you know, logging trail. And I thought, oh, man, how'd I do that? So I went back to my starting place again, did it again. Did it just Twice. So then I got my compass out. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> but then uh, it was getting daylight so I could see my way to get to this tree stand.
0: Oh, yeah. I've done that before. This, yeah. 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 Where you where you got you walk toward where you thought that, you know, the tree stand is there, You yeah. up, but you just yeah. get a little bit disoriented, like I cannot find it. And you're within 20 yards of it, probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I swore I walked in the exact same trail. Right, right. Yeah, been there, done that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what else do you want to talk about, Doc?
2: Well, if you're fortunate enough to uh, have this incredible buck come to a a range that you feel comfortable taking a shot, and you do, and you know you hit the animal, Uh, the uh, the excitement of the moment is to get down on your stand or come from behind the tree where you were hiding or in a blind and begin to look for the animal. And uh, he, I, 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 I had the occasion to help a young fellow start to hunt a few years ago. I mean, he was already in his uh, early 40s, but he had never hunted before, very able shot and so forth. And, took him to a place in West Virginia where I'm part of a hunting lodge or was then. And uh, gave him very clear instructions as to what, what to do. And if you get a shot, I told him probably when the shot would be what the deer would be doing and probably what it would be eating. Actually. He said, it was like being in a movie. It all happened the way I told him. Cause I, I knew the deer were there and their habits and that when he shot to try to point out for himself the location where he believed that that error would be, you know, in medley, at least mark a tree, a bush or something like that, but stay in the stand. And I was going to be nearby. And and I, I, I would come over in, in, in time and we would look for the deer. And I said, even if you can see the deer, because he had ne- never approached a, a wounded animal before, uh, you don't approach it until I'm with you. And and he, he, he followed the rules, you know, it was really good. And, and I heard the bow go, and as I was approaching about a, 20 minutes later, I waited too so we wouldn't push anything. I, I actually saw the deer line, laying where it was. It seemed, I couldn't have been knocking, as I could tell it was probably dead. And the first he came down out of the stand when I approached. And right away, he wanted to go over to where he thought the deer was, too, which which is where it was. But I said, what are you supposed to do first? Follow up, try to find my arrow, and find the blood trail. And then follow the trail. Because if an animal is still alive, when you start your approach, it it can get up and and go again. And uh, so give it time uh, to to meet, meet, meet its uh, demise. So those are things just to keep in mind. And I I know with uh, Frank, uh, he and his uh, son Evan had a very interesting experience a year or two ago of Evan shot a deer and uh, I forget the, all the circumstances but I know you and your son looked for that deer for a number of days until you found that the meat was no longer good but yeah that, that was a worthy experience I assume.
0: Well it was a lesson learned for him for sure. This was so he has shot deer before but never with a vertical compound only with a uh, a rifle at 9 uh crossbow at 10 or 11 I think he was 11 and um and then he has hunted with his compound now for since well he was 13 at the time so for two years before getting a chance to, um, to shoot one. Now he had plenty of small yearlings and younger does and stuff like that within shooting range that he drew back on purposefully and aimed, but we didn't, he wasn't shooting it. Cause he was waiting. He was holding out for a buck. Um, so this was toward the end of the season, maybe last the last week. Um, and uh, right at daylight uh, or right like five minutes shooting time left or, or so a buck came out and started pushing does 25 yards out in the food plot where he's sitting in a blind and it's a big blind it's not like a little one so like he's got lots of room to shoot you're not cramped or anything and um this buck comes out um he stops 25 yards makes a shot it was a little bit um, back so he, that he was, it was a good, it was the right angle. He was quarter. He, well, he wasn't technically He was quartered away, but only because of where he stopped, he was standing broadside. Just he was down a little bit. So it made it a quarter away shot. And he clipped the lung a little bit, but mostly liver. Um, so we waited. And like I said, it was at last light. So we waited probably about two hours before we really pushed it all just to look, um, follow up the blood trail. The mistake that we made is we found a, a, a puddle of deep, dark blood. So that in case in point of why you check for the arrow and you fo- you check the blood trail before you, even though you think that that animal crashed Forty yards away, but you can't see it. Check the arrow. Look for bubbles. Look at the color. Check the smell of the of the arrow. So that you're not just blindly following this animal. If you see that it's deep, dark liver blood, back out. Don't even don't even go look for this animal unless you like visually see that it's dead. There's probably a good chance if it's a liver shot, you're not going to see that animal lying dead um, you know, back out and wait. Um, we pushed a little bit too hard the first night. Um, we didn't go too terribly far, but we got to the point where we lost some blood and we stopped. We should have waited and we should have waited and backed out. When we found that first puddle of red blood, we should just backed out and wait until the following day. I think my excitement, because it was my son's first buck, first year of the compound, Mm -hmm clogged that judgment that will never happen again. um so we did back out then after a while my senses kind of came to me i said let's get out of here i don't want to push anymore ended up coming back the next morning found the blood and there's a huge 100 yard wide and probably or 60 yard wide 100 yard long section of pines and the whole forest floor is pine eagles that's the direction that the buck went Finding blood in pine needles is literally, it's more like um, finding blood in, in a bed of needles instead of a needle in a haystack. Or, or <laughs> it's, it's, it's next to impossible. Um, and it, it, what it ultimately ended up happening is I talked to all of the landowners in the area, um, asked them to keep an eye out for this animal. I tried for probably about two or three days alone. Um, with some help and then eventually two weeks later one of the landowners came across the deer ironically not far from the highway he went about a mile and a half so Mm -hmm. found the deer he found the found the entrance and exit hole and what happened is the broadhead he was using did not have any bleeders on it it was a uh, 125 grain bear paw yager broadhead super 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 sharp the hole actually sealed up so arrow went through bled for about 50 yards and then because the the blades were super thin and um they're super thin and really really sharp the the hole actually just sealed right back. it must have coagulated or it just because it was you know it was mm-hmm. the heart of the season sealed right back up the blood stopped so you know i mean what are you going to do you um you just kind of take one on the chin, he tagged the animal, and has that um, memory, and lesson learned, and we just, but we stayed after it, and again, it it meant knocking on doors, or in my case, in this situation, sending text messages, because I happen to know all the people in the area, Um, you know, and he comes home from school one day, and there the buck sits, and I said, hey, found your buck, and he got to take that, (laughs) you know, first, trophy photo um, that's that's really what happened i mean persistence is key and making responsible decisions do i think that not pushing that animal after the first two hours or did we push the animal i don't know i did find another area of, of blood where i think he stopped um but i i don't know if that that aided in him going so far or not um I personally think it did and you know that's the mistake that I made so as a dad
1: <laughs>
0: yeah well, sure
1: yeah you want to get the deer yeah, yeah. Not,
0: not my not my proudest moment as far as the decision making on my end uh, but, but it's one of my proudest moments ever hunting watching your kid make a mm. marginal but it was a decent shot I mean it's it was right height, just two inches
2: too far back. Yeah, yeah. The wait to but get you, you look. Yeah. yeah, possible. What's that? It's uh, it, it's good to w- be able to wait. It's it's hard to do it though. Uh, oh. I mean, I've I've uh, been tempted many times to take a shot that I that I knew was probably not going to be a good outcome, and I. I, so far, I've never taken one with a bow. Uh, I took a few with a rifle years ago. Yeah. But there's the possibility of hitting something with a rifle through difficult uh, trees or branches. It depends on the rifle, but it's, it's possible to do. But even there, it's, um, uh, I, I've always turned hunting into sort of a game. Uh, because of the places I hunted, I could. I knew the land, knew the animals and, and so forth. And uh, uh, you did a lot of scouting and pretty well knew what was there. And now with the advent of a number of years ago, the uh, the game cameras, you can even do more of that. Mm-hmm. See so, you know, in some states they're being uh, outlawed uh, because they're believing that that is not fair chase. Uh, that you know where the animals are. I, I I don't know my colleagues on the on here this morning would feel that way or not, but I, I I I think it's important to know what what's there, and then to to wait for the right animal. When I used to hunt in in West Virginia, I would go a, a week or two before the season, before either the archery season or the rifle season. And, and just spend time in the woods. And I, I generally would find my buck and I would hunt for that deer and pass others up because that was fun for me to do. Yeah, if I needed yeah. meat, I knew where a grocery store was and you know, I could go get that. You know. But uh, if I was starving, it might be another matter. But, uh, I don't yeah. know about you fellas if, if you hunt for a particular deer, but it, it, it makes it sort of into a, more of a fun kind of thing in the game.
0: Um, I mean, I run cameras. I, I run cameras on public land, and I run cameras on private land. Um, I think the key component for the for the cameras for me is I have the cell cams. My kid has the app on his phone, and it adds to his excitement and motivation to want to be out there. Yeah,
2: that's
0: that's probably my my biggest reason for having them. Um, I do scout. I scout on foot. I scout on mountain bike. I will go out on foot and, and just from a distance observe, you know, where I know they're coming out at. I have an absolute giant of an eight pointer that I'm probably going to chase. However, as I stated before we started recording, I shoot traditional and the first legal buck that steps in front of me is getting walloped because I want to shoot my first deer. With <laughs> buck. So... I'm not. I am not. I'm,
1: a, I'm writing this down on the calendar,
0: Doc. I'm making okay. a note of this. this Because when I from compound, Frank. every time I shot a compound buck, I wanted to shoot a bigger one and a bigger one and a bigger one. And then you know, my my biggest to date Pennsylvania deer is 120 inch seven pointer. He's huge. He's a giant seven pointer. But I don't, I kept two years after that, I kept passing up buck, passing up buck, passing up buck. And I finally was like, you know, why am I doing this? I mean, it's fun, but it's not. Uh, I I don't, I didn't, you know, and then when I started hunting traditional, I was like, okay, now the game has changed. (laughs) It's get close and make make a good shot. And you need to be a hell of a lot of a better shot with a trad bow than you do with a compound. Yeah. Well, if you're, Trophy hunting in Pennsylvania, <laughs> you're doing the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah. So, so, and now you know hunting traditional. I think it's not that I. It's just a goal of mine to shoot one with a traditional bow. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, yeah. That's, uh, you know, buck or doe, preferably both, and, um, I pay attention to a lot more now. Because I have to get so much closer. And mm. um, you know, I'm scouting more now than I used to because they used to have areas that I could go to and I knew I was gonna see deer and they were gonna be within 50 yards, and I was pretty comfortable shooting a deer at 50 yards as long as it was not alert and relatively quiet and, and I had a good shot. I, I had no problems doing that. I know a lot of people don't, a lot of people have their opinions about it or whatever but um you know i just now as a traditional hunter like i'm really paying attention my onyx app from the game lands both game lands and places that i hunt uh, it's littered with points of scrapes active scrapes active trails trees that i would go up in in my saddle like i have all sorts of stuff you know and that's that's the direction I think you know all hunters I wish I would have taken that notion when I did hunt I had more time and and hunted with a compound and I didn't I was I was kind of complacent with I got my stands I know where I can go I'm gonna see deer that was the approach that I took I don't take that approach anymore
2: well it's it's the difference between shooters and hunters
0: and there's 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 nothing
2: wrong with either uh sure but it's it's a lot of fun to hunt and to to learn about the animals.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, when when I was a young kid, I mean, my, my father got a deer almost every year. It's because he had a, a a tremendous knack of being in the right place at the right time, and he was a very good shot. I uh, okay. but, but for him to go out and hunt for a deer, we would have starved to death. <laughs> I mean, and there was very little known about them then. I mean. The, the whole knowledge of, of the patterns of the whitetail and, and then to learn the patterns of other animals and that they are predictable and so forth. Now, some people think that's un- unethical or that's that's not a fair chase. It, uh, I don't think fair chase means to just, uh, you stumble across a, your quarry and get a shot at it. Uh, I, I think fair chase means that you're, you're yeah. not trying to capture the animal in some way. And, yeah. and shoot. Uh,
1: well, I had thousands of pictures of deer on my property last year. I didn't kill one, <laughs> yeah. I didn't get the shot, plain and simple. Yeah. And yeah, so all those pictures they did do me a bit of good. Um, and the vegetarian
2: all winter. <laughs> I don't have any cameras out because I have no place to put them right now. But I used to have some, and some of my mm-hmm. friends have some cameras out. We put out at, on a feed plot that we planted this a couple of years ago. We went to check the pictures one evening, and when we saw them on on, on the screen in the camera before we lo- unloaded the card. Uh, th- there was a bear, there was another bear and so forth. So we unloaded the cars and we we, 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 we discovered our, our first herd of black of, of black bears. Huh. There were six together within about a 40-yard circumference of the camera, fe- mm-hmm. feeding on the rye grass uh, that was coming up through the clover and so forth. And then we found out later that the black bear, w- when we researched it a bit, before they're going to be hibernating, eat a lot of grass like dogs do, and it causes them to regurgitate and get rid of the worms and bots and so forth in their bodies. And especially for a gestating female, uh, this guarantees her survival through the winter and, and delivery and the, the young. Otherwise the, 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 the bugs can literally kill them during, the, during their hibernation. And so we learned something about bear doing that. Uh, I'm not a bear hunter, but uh, I had an opportunity a few years ago. And I just, I, as I was pulling back, I said to myself, well, I don't want to shoot a bear. Oh, uh, I got bear. I got bear. we then the work begins. I got bear. I could have got that bear. So he, he was 20, 17 yards, 17 yards. Yeah. Standing broadside, looking back at some guys walking through the woods. Perfect shot. So what I did was I put the boat out and I said, have a good day, Mr. Bear. The hunters were a little upset about it. I'll
0: tell you what is also coming with me this year. Mm -hmm. My DSLR is coming with me. I'm going to be taking pictures. And, you know, because situations like that, I had a bear last year climb up. To the bottom of my pre-stand i think i talked about that on the podcast before yeah. and this is coming with me this year i'm gonna be i'm gonna be if i'm not shooting them with my bow, i'm shooting with my camera and that's a lot of fun yeah that's a mm-hmm. lot of fun. so all right fellas i think that was- next week
2: we hope to return to our subject from which we departed for just this uh, brief uh, interlude of hunting and, and safety in the woods uh, back again uh, for a short while uh, and hopefully a number of other people uh, talking about uh, the, the, the development of the healthy athlete and whose responsibility is it. And this all came out of some of the uh, Olympic situations that we uh, heard about and, and knew about this last year with, in, in Tokyo and then to follow from that. And uh, we hope to talk to a couple parents of one of the athletes and, and the athlete themselves and, and j- just get their read on this. It's, it's very, very, very important uh, to uh, not only really develop a skill to the point of being uh, a, a, an elite quality uh, athlete, but to stay healthy and, and not get hurt or damaged uh, permanently for life. That have an activity that one could do for the rest of their lives and help that be part of your wellness re- regimen. So we, we return to that next week or
0: so and then off to other things. Sounds like a plan. we well, uh, Will do. We'll, uh, we'll see everybody on the next episode. Uh, make sure you follow the audio version on our podcast platforms as well as on YouTube. And um, stay safe out there. Good luck out in your in, as your seasons begin. Uh, same to you, gentlemen. Hopefully, we, the three of us can get a hunt together, and I can I can bring my camera gear, and we can we can actually video a hunt or two. That'd be fun. Okay. All right. That'd be good. All That'd right. Good. Yeah. Good luck, everybody. I'm out. See ya.
1: Over and out.